You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. But if you have your Bibles now, let's grab those, my friends, and turn to James chapter 3 this morning. James chapter 3 is where we find ourselves. We're going to be beginning in verse 1 today and moving through verse 12 as we continue in our study of the book of James. If you're visiting with us this morning, we study the Bible here chapter by chapter, verse by verse in an expositional style. That's what we desire to do so that we know the whole counsel of God and can live according to it. And we are currently in the book of James and have been moving through the text. And today, if you're taking notes, the title for today's study is The Troublesome Tongue. The troublesome tongue is what we're going to be seeing James speak on today as we move into this. And you know by now, if you've been here, if you haven't, just to let you know, the book of James contains 108 verses within its pages. And within those 108 verses, we find 54 imperative verbs or exhortations, these charges that are given by James, all surrounding the topic of practical faith, of living out our faith practically in this world and living for the Lord in our everyday lives. And we see James and have seen James cover topics that have included trials and temptation, the tongue, like I said, we're going to be speaking about today, looking at time management and time awareness, seeing what togetherness looks like as the body of Christ, what true religion is, and what trusting God with our everyday life looks like as well. We see practical faith all over the book of James being taught to the believer. And as we move into chapter 3 today, it is doubtful that if you have been with us, that James has not yet gotten all of us on a topic that he has spoken on. From trials all the way back in chapter 1, you'll remember that he said to count it all joy as you fall into various trials, knowing that we will face trials in this life, and we as believers are called to positionally count them all joy in Jesus and grow in and through them. And James surely got every one of us as we studied that. If not there, then in our call to be doers of the word and not just hearers only, of being those that know that God has brought us into new life to follow him and to walk with him, and he's given us his word to instruct us in that life. And we are called to be doers, not just mere hearers of the word. And surely James, at this point, has hit a place of practical faith in your daily life. But if you, for some reason, have felt left out in the book of James... If you for some reason have felt that James has not spoken to you directly, then I can promise you that today James gets every one of us. For today, James is going to be covering, like I said, the topic of the tongue. The topic of the tongue and speech, the troublesome, untamable tongue that every one of us possesses and every one of us wields on a daily basis. James today is going to seek to show that a mark of maturity in the Lord is that of one who controls their tongue, who has a rein on their mouth, and who uses it there to glorify the Lord and to serve him and those around them. And so it is the topic of the tongue that we are studying today, and we see James begin to speak of it there in verse 1 of chapter 3. So we're going to read just a few verses. We're going to pray one more time before we continue on, and then we'll see what the Bible has to say to us. So verse 1 says, My brethren... Not let many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgments. For we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word, then he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. 
Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and yet boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, and I thank you for these that have come out today, Lord, on this cold morning to come and study your word and to worship you, Lord. And I just thank you so much that, Lord, we can know that you're into this, that you invite us to study your word. You invite us to grow in you and to learn you, God. And so I pray that right now, as we open up this, this section of scripture, that we would seek to be taught by you. And that, Lord, we would expect for you, Lord, to speak to us and to work through us and to work in us. Because, God, that's what we desire. And I pray that, Lord, we would see that happen today. And, Lord, we need your help as we study this. And so thankful, Lord, that your word shows us that you send us the Holy Spirit, the helper to teach us, to direct us, and to help us to know what your word says and how to apply it to our lives. And so we ask for that today, Lord, and we ask that you would lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as James has been doing through the use of plain language and illustration, we're going to see throughout all of this text today, James illustrate some characteristics about the tongue. And the first characteristic of the tongue that he points out to us as the reader is that though the tongue is small, it is commanding of one's life and influence in one's life and the lives of those around them. And to help make the point, James, what he does is he first uses this as an opportunity to address an issue that was going on, an issue using context clues from the text that involves some having ambition to become teachers there within the church. And to help us understand why James would say this and perhaps point this out, well, we go back to the audience that we remember that James is originally writing to. You'll remember that he's writing to the original church. He's writing to the first believers there in the early church. And as he's writing to them, he's writing to those that were predominantly coming from a Jewish worldview, where in the Jewish mind, the teacher or the rabbi, which literally means my great one, well, they were held in a position that was very high. To be a teacher of the law within the Jewish culture was to be one who was of high society. And no doubt, as many were being saved and catching on to this new movement of the Lord and seeking to be teachers within this move, perhaps there was some, some desire to be prestigious as well, some desire to be elevated and perhaps to even be equated to the same level of prestige that the Jews asserted to the teachers of the law. However, we know from the rest of the New Testament and as other writers show and as Jesus taught that a place of prominence within the kingdom of God, a place of prominence is not that which pastors and teachers are supposed to hold. It's not there this grand and glorious job or, or career path, but it's a calling to a life of service and surrender to the Lord and to serving the Lord's people and teaching and shepherding. And James wants to make sure that these new believers here who perhaps were excited and desiring to be teachers, that they realize that, hey, the prestige that they knew as Jews and the, the, the prestige that they maybe sought to have, well, that's not what they were there called to seek. And so he warns them of the reality that to be a teacher, to be a pastor, specifically one who would lead and direct people with the word of God, well, there was a stricter judgment that they were to be held under. 
He lets them know that, hey, if you want to do this, understand that there is an accountability that you are not currently under. There's an accountability of speech and conduct that must be adhered to in the life of the pastor, in the life of the Bible teacher. And the Bible is clear throughout the life of the teacher. Well, it must match up with the message that they teach and that there is a stricter judgment that comes with that. To not have the life and the message that lines up is to be disqualified. And in eternity, there is a judgment that James lets know is going to come, a judgment that is distinct and awaits teachers. And this applies still today. This applies still today to anyone who would desire to teach the word of God, anyone who would desire or feels a call to teach and to lead in the word. This still holds true today, that there is an accountability that goes along with it, a measure of seriousness that the Bible is clear on. And you know what that judgment is that James here is speaking of? I, I, I don't know what that entails. I'm going to find out one day because I know that what I'm doing right now, the teaching that I'm, that I'm doing on Sundays and Wednesdays and any time that I get the opportunity to teach the Bible, well, I'm held accountable for it in the same way that you are. As you teach the word in whatever capacity that you want to or desire to or do currently teach, understand that God's word says it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing, you life group leader. It's a serious thing, you children's ministry teacher. It's a serious thing, you discipler of that person at work or that one that you or you who desire to teach God's word, that there is an accountability that goes along with it. There is a stricter judgment. It is not a light thing. And it wasn't in James's day, and it's not in our day. So James issues this warning on the onset of this topic of the tongue, and then he uses it to cover the rest, of the, reader, uh, the rest of the reading audience. You see, he uses the opportunity to issue the warning to the would-be teachers, but then he transitions into that topic at hand, saying there in verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. This is an all-inclusive, we all sin, we all fail. But then going into the verse, he says there, speaking of maturity, well, a mark of maturity, a mark of Christian maturity, a mark of a mature believer is one who doesn't stumble in their words. And the language that he uses there, saying that he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body, well, that is James saying that, hey, if someone keeps a lock on their mouth, if someone has it under control, if then really they have their whole person, their whole personality there is under control. It is indicative of maturity over one's person, over one's personality. Because the tongue and the, and the speech that come from it James here is wanting to, sh to show and seeking to show throughout all of this that though it may seem small and light, it is anything but that. Though it may seem like a small thing, though speech may be something that is every day and the tongue may be something that is small compared to the rest of the body, yet it is so commanding and influential. And he says this, following it up with some illustrations to help us out. I'm very thankful for that. James is a great Bible teacher here. He says they're using examples of bits in horses' mouths that direct the animal. I don't, I don't ride horses. Some of you do, I know. I, I definitely don't. But I do know enough to know that the little bit that goes into the mouth, well, that thing can control that animal, that animal that quite honestly terrifies me because horses are just, they're, they're, they're un, some of you are laughing at me, and you should because I'm terrified of an animal that people control very easily. But it's this small little bit that you put into the mouth and it's easily moved around. That of the same is a rudder on the bottom of a huge ship. He says it's driven by the wind. The pilot can ride it there with the rudder and the steering wheel, if that's what you call it. Again, I don't ride horses. I don't drive boats either. 
But what I know is that boats, they have this small little rudder compared to the rest of the ship that moves that ship wherever that pilot wants it to go. It's an amazing thing. And James uses this illustration the same way the tongue, a spark that sets an entire forest on fire. He says the tongue is small, yet it is commanding. And he says in verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member, and yet it boasts great things. Like a bit directing a horse and a rudder steering a ship, or a spark setting a forest ablaze. The tongue too is small, it's often hidden, and it seems like it won't do great damage or have a lasting impact. However, we know that it absolutely does. It absolutely does. The tongue is able to command so much of its owner's life and the lives of those around its owner. And he says this, again, having warned teachers of the impact and the strictness of judgment that they have. And so I think that's another fitting example for us to see today. You know, again, putting myself out there, it's my call to teach the word of God here as the pastor of this church. And I realize that what I say and when I'm up here talking, that many of you are listening intently. Some of you are not, but many of you are. And the things that I say from the word of God, well, they should be right. I should be teaching them in a right way because if I don't, well, then what I learn, what I seek to teach, if you're not searching the scriptures for yourself, well, that could be leading you down a wrong way. And I realize that my teaching and my leading in this church, well, it is a commanding thing. It is a thing here that, is, that leaves room for little to no error when it comes to my teaching and leading in the word of God. Because I know that it directs the spiritual tenor of this church. It directs the church body. And so it needs to be right. But this commanding aspect doesn't just pertain to me and my 40 minutes of teaching up here. It pertains to the rest of my life as it does to yours. You parents to your kids, the way that you speak, it is seemingly small, but yet it is commanding and can command much in the way that your kids hear you or in the way that you let your kids speak to you. You teachers to students, you managers or business owners to your staff or you staff to your employer and and business owner and all of us to each other. Our tongue is so small, but yet it is so commanding and so dictating of our lives. And the words that we say, our tongue is commanding in so many ways. And James here seeks to point that out using plain text, using illustration. But then he seeks to show the tongue is not just small and commanding, but he wants to take it a step further. Where in verse five, as he speaks of the tongue being there a little fire, it's a perfect transition into his next points where he points out that not only is the tongue small yet commanding, but also that it is untamable and deadly. Pick up with me there in verse 5 again as we see this, where he says, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. It is small yet commanding. But he says, See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And he says there, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, well, it is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man, James says, can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. James here again uses the imagery of a forest fire which can so easily be accomplished by a simple and small spark, a single cigarette butt or a campfire that is smoldering can light up an entire forest, burning acres upon acres, destroying property and claiming lives and changing the course of people's lives forever. 
And James here, he equates the tongue to the exact same destroying power. And the imagery goes from that of the commanding and directing to simply destroying. He says, hey, the tongue is small, yet it commands great. But then he takes it a step further than that and says, not only is it commanding, but it is also potentially destroying. He says that the tongue is so set among the members of the body, meaning that where it is in proximity, where it is in priority, and where it is able to be heard, that it commands the whole body. That it, in fact, dictates the course of an entire person. And he takes it even a step further and he equates the tongue, not only to that which destroys vast amounts of acreage, but also of that of an untamable animal. Speaking of how humans have the ability, have the authority given by the Lord even to subdue the earth, but yet the tongue, what resides within their member, he's like, there's no human that can tame that. He says the tongue, no human can tame. He says it's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And this is not something that James is alone in thinking. If you're familiar with the rest of the Bible, you know that the tongue is not just something that James talks about here and then nowhere else speaks about it. I mean, if you're just reading through the book of Proverbs alone, you see tons of places where the Bible speaks on the tongue being an issue, being one that produces great damage as someone wields it. Proverbs 10, 11 is a great example where it says the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. That's a good thing. But violence, it says, covers the mouth of the wicked. Or what about Proverbs 13, 3, where it says, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips, well, he shall have destruction. Or Proverbs 15, 1 through 2, we see that there, it says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise, well, it uses knowledge rightly but the mouth of the fool pours forth foolishness. Proverbs 15.4 is not unlike it. It says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirits. And then Proverbs 28.18-19, the last one says, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. The tongue and what comes from it is not only small and commanding, but it is also deadly. And I'm sure that if today I asked for hands to be raised in this room, representing those that have been hurt or felt that deadly sting of the tongue at any course and part of our life, that all of our hands would be raised because that's not something that we're unfamiliar to. Nor are we unfamiliar in the same way every hand should be raised if we're honest for how we at times have let our tongue cause death in the hearts and lives of someone else. Because what James is pointing out is all-inclusive. What James is pointing out is that the ability to speak, the possession there of the tongue and the ability to speak, well, it lends itself to this untamable, deadly aspect of our hearts and lives, especially if we are apart from Jesus. Born into this world, sinners separated from the Lord, all we know how to do is sin. That's just a reality. And what comes from inside or what is inside will come out. And James here is seeking to point out that, hey, look, the tongue, it's what lets those things out. And once saved and changed, James is pointing out as he's speaking throughout this entire book on practical faith, well, that can't be in the case. That can't be the case anymore. The case of the matter is, the fact of the matter is that as a believer, we should be those that see our tongue differently than it was before Jesus, which is what he's getting across in the final verses that he covers there, picking up in verse 9. Read with me there. 
where he's there speaking of the tongue, says, with it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. He says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. He says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Or can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? He says there, thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. See, James here points out that the tongue, which is both commanding and deadly, he says here is also capable of praise and blessing. And notice that this is the first time in all of this text that James is pointing out that the tongue can be used for a good thing. Like he's listed out this whole, this, whole, this whole text here of the fact that the tongue is untamable, it's deadly, it's commanding. And here at the end, he's like, hey, also too, it can bless the Lord and it can bless others. However, he points out an inconsistency where he says in verses nine and 10 again, he says, with it, we bless our God and Father and with it, we curse men. That's an inconsistency he's pointing out in the life of the believer. Because as we curse men, he says, those who have been made in the similitude of God, he says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. And he says they're exhorting the believer, that's not to be the case. My brethren, this should not be so. He points out the capabilities of the tongue to command, to damage, and to praise, and to curse all at the same time. And as he points out this inconsistency, he then uses illustration to again prove his point. He's like, this shouldn't be the case. He's like, do you see fresh and bitter water coming from the same spring? It doesn't happen. Or fig trees bearing olives or grapevines bearing figs. And he says there no spring sends out both salt and fresh water. And James again is seeking to get around to the reader that, hey, this inconsistency, it can't be. It doesn't need to be there. Because as one who is in the Lord, well, there needs to be a change. There needs to be a life that is different. And in the same way that a spring can't send both bitter and sweet water forward, or a fig tree can't give you olives, so too should a changed heart in the Lord not produce cursing there towards those that are made in the image of God. There should not be blessing and cursing coming from the same. James is pointing out this shouldn't be the case. One who is in Christ should reflect a changed heart in the way that they speak. And you know, all through the book of James, I love it because it's super simple. In fact, I could just read the book of James and we could all get it because you're all very smart people, but I stand up here for 40 minutes and try to like make it longer. But anyways, it's nice that James is so simple because we can read it and in a snapshot have it and, and pretty well remember it. And here with the tongue, it is not un uncommon to what, James, to what James has been doing as he points out here this. And all of us possess today the ability to speak and so with it the ability, like James is pointing out, to command, to defile, to bless the Lord and bless others, but also to curse at the same time. We all have the ability to do these things. And there's something about the way that we speak. There's something about speech, and I'm not sure what it is, but it is one thing, or I would say even the one thing, it is the one thing that we in our humanity defend more than anything else. And I don't know what it is about it, but we do. You know, if I point out to you or you point out to me a, a habit or a, an activity that harms myself or harms someone else, you know, again, as humans, we bristle against like, like someone who's reproving us or sort of like, ah, maybe I don't want to hear that right now. But eventually, if it hurts me enough, I'm going to stop it. Like, that's just, that's just what we do. And same with you. And if it hurts someone else, typically, you're going to see the pain that it causes, a habit or an action, and you're going to say, okay, I I'm done. But for whatever reason, 
when it comes to what we say or how we say something, the way we talk, when it comes to our speech, we defend that forever. And I don't know what it is about us. I don't know what it is, but there's something about the way that we talk, the things that we say, or how that we say them, that when someone points those things out to us, well, that is out of the realm of possibilities for us to stop. We just, we, we won't. And there's a myriad of excuses that go along with it. It's just the way that I talk. You know, it's just who I am. It's, it's who I am. If you don't like it, then don't listen to it. Go over there where you can't hear me. You know, that's, that's what we do. Or we, we chalk it up to culture and things around us. We chalk it up to our upbringing or our work culture. That's just what I've heard all my life. Or it's what I am around every single day. The phrases of defense go on and on and on and on. And along with it is a refusal. And it is a refusal. A refusal to see what God's word is showing us, what James is seeking to get across. The reality is that a life that is claiming Christ, but not seeking to control the mouth is immature. It's an immature life that has an immature faith and is refusing to grow. And that's a reality. That is a reality because the mouth and what comes out of it, Jesus and James and so many others within the word of God seek to show that it is a representation of what is internal. It is what is inside that comes out. And we see that here. And it's why James' example of the spring and the fruit is so spot on. Because as a spring can't send forth both bitter and fresh or salt and, and fresh water at the same time and fig trees don't grow grapes and all those things like that so too should a believer not represent an unbeliever in their speech. And as they do, it's a mark of immaturity. And it's a mark of a refusal of the work of God in our lives. And again, James says this here, he writes an entire section on it, but he's not alone. Jesus speaks of this as well. And I want you to turn with me today to Matthew chapter 12, if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter 12, as we end out our time today in the Word, in this section of Matthew, Jesus, as he speaks to the religious leaders here, consistent with his teaching, he speaks here of how the inside of a man is corrupting the outward. And he's speaking there to religious leaders who, again, knew the truth. They knew exactly what it was theoretically, but yet their lives were anything but a representation of what God wanted to do and what God should have been doing in their lives. It says in Matthew 12, verse 33, he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. He says, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasures of his heart, he brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, well, he brings forth evil things. But I say to you, that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgments. For by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. Our friends, you and I can make all the, have all the defenses and make all the excuses and have all the justification that we want when it comes to our speech. And again, that's something that we just defend so much. I don't know why, but we do. But the simple truth from the word of God is that what comes out is what is inside. What comes out is absolutely indicative of what is with inside. And it is that plain, it is that simple. And so to change the outflow from the mouth and to stop the inconsistency, like what James is pointing out here, is to have a change internally. To allow the Lord to have a change and have a work and do a work in our hearts and lives. That starts with salvation. 
but then moves on throughout the rest of our life as we are sanctified in the Lord, which is a daily thing. It is a daily thing that we do, and there is a real seriousness in the heart and life of every believer that we need to understand today. A real heart, a real seriousness that we need to take upon our hearts and lives that because it directly affects the way that people hear us and the way that people see the Lord and the way that we speak. And this encompasses a myriad of things, all kinds of speech. I mean, cussing, slander, lying, gossip, those are easy ones. Fits of anger, outbursts. I would even say that in the world that we live in today, the way that we communicate, I mean, our, our fingers are a tongue in a way, if you will. I mean, social media or our texting and things like that, you know, just because we can't, you know, yell at someone, man, we'll push that phone just a little bit harder. Sometimes we miss buttons, don't we, right? Because like the screen just doesn't have the same effect as the buttons do. But it's all indicative of a heart that is off base, it's all indicative of a heart that is off base and not completely surrendered to the Lord. What is internal will absolutely become external. And James here seeks to point out the reality is that that is not to be the case amongst the believer. And as one who has control over their tongue, so too do they have control over their person. And James is clear that that is what we are called to. James is also clear that no man can tame the tongue. You're like, well, then what am I supposed to do? Well, if no man can tame the tongue, then it's up to us to turn to the one that can, to turn to the one who does a change internally and then affects the external. And again, what that means is that starts with salvation. It starts with a relationship with the Lord. Again, as I said earlier, apart from the Lord, all we do is sin. Apart from Jesus, all we do is walk in disobedience. All we do is walk in disobedience and as enemies of the Lord. We see that explicitly within the word of God. But yet in Jesus, surrendered to him in the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, we are no longer enemies of God, but we are now reconciled sons and daughters of God. That is an amazing truth. And as such, the Lord takes up residence with inside of us. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within every single believer. And that right there is where the change starts. The change starts there, and then it continues on as we are no longer conformed to this world, but every day are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We see that in Romans 12 too, where we submit ourselves every single day to God as living sacrifices. And that starts very practically, very simply. I say it always. I'm going to say it forever by waking up, opening up the Word, and saying, God, what do you have for me today? Of reading our Bible and praying every single day and asking the Lord as He is living within us to change us from the inside out. And it takes all of us making that conscious effort every single day to start there. But then throughout the day to make sure that we stay there and to ask the Lord simply, hey, God, you know what? I have a problem with this one four-letter word. Hey, help me today. And how he helps you with that, I don't know, but he is faithful to do so. Hey, I have a problem with gossiping. Hey, the Lord's going to tell you to stop texting that person, stop calling that one person, stop going to this place where that person's at until you've got a handle on it. Or I've got a problem with slander. I've got a problem with outbursts of anger. He's going to say, turn off the news. Put away social media. Turn it off for a while and stop tweeting, stop posting things, because all you're doing is misrepresenting what the Lord is doing inside. And this, my friends, again, is one of those things that for whatever reason, we defend, we refuse, but there's no getting around it. James is explicit that a mouth that is untamed, a tongue that is untamed, 
is indicative of a life that is not mature in the Lord. It is not a life that is growing in the Lord. It is a life that is hindered and stagnated in some area that God wants to move you past and help you to grow in. And this affects all of us. I don't have this down. You can ask my wife. I don't have this down. There's no way. You can ask those that I work with. I don't have this down. But I want to grow in the Lord. I want to be one who is mature in the Lord. And I pray that we as a church would want to be those that are mature in the Lord. I pray that we would take a hard look today and every single day and not let words just be these idle things that we let loose and then justify by anger and atmosphere. But we say, Lord, I want you to control every piece and part of me. I want to submit to you in every single way and allow you to lead and to guide me according to your word and to be that mature believer that represents the Lord in every aspect of my life, speech, the one biggest, the biggest way that we let people know that the Lord is the Lord of our lives, that being the ultimate, that being a priority. And so it's a simple message today. I'm so thankful for the practicality of the Word of God. So thankful that God is practical and that our lives with Him are practical. But the application, the execution, our choice today, it is a hard thing. There's no denying that. But Jesus is there to help us in a relationship that is every day available for us to feed into, and with one another as well. Again, communication is that which we have with one another that is verbal, that is digital, and there's so many ways we communicate. And as the body of Christ, God has given us one another to help one another along, to hold each other accountable. And perhaps you do have an area in your life, an area in your speech where you're like, yeah, that's off base. That is not representative of the, of the Lord. Well, deal with it. Make a point today to deal with it. Make a point today to start working on that and then rope someone in there to help you with it. Not someone that's gonna fall in line with you if you start to gossip or you start to, you know, cuss or start to slander. Not someone who's of the same mind who's gonna be like, oh yeah, you should just let it fly, man, because you're angry and you should be angry. Right? None of that. But have someone that'll call you and be like, hey, guess what? What you just said, stop it. Someone who will look at you and say, hey, shut up and pray. Hey, that would be a great thing. Have that person in your life. Because we all need that person in our life. And today, my friends, if we as a church desire in, a, in an atmosphere, in a place, in a culture that needs to see the truth of Jesus, then me, we, my friends, need to make sure that our mouths represent that. And so today is a day to start. If it's a relationship with the Lord that you need to start, to start controlling that mouth, hey, let's start that today. And in a moment as we worship and respond to the Lord, there's going to be people around that would love to talk to you about that, what that looks like. And that is where it starts. But if today you find yourself wanting to control the mouth and you want some prayer, you want some accountability, hey, find us for that as well. And let's pray. And let's together today decide, hey, what we're saying, it needs to be compatible with what the Lord's doing inside and let the Lord lead us as we do so. Let's pray.